Good day to you, and welcome to the podcast for the Union Street Meeting House. In this podcast, we will be sharing messages from our weekly worship services. Union Street Meeting House is a Christian ministry that introduces people of all ages to Jesus Christ and recalls those who once knew Him back into an intimate, vibrant, living relationship with Him. We are a house for Christian fellowship and personal growth. You are always welcome here at Union Street Meeting House. Let's go into this week's message right now. Turn with me this morning to Zechariah, Zechariah 9, verses 9 and 10. Hallelujah. Bless you this morning, God. Thank you. Zechariah. It's right at the end of the Old Testament. Thank you, Jesus. Zechariah 9, 9 and 10 says this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and he is endowed with salvation. Humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Turn now to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 21, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. 1 through 11. And when they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them unto me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, which says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and the others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. And he goes on to talk about the money changers there and how he drives them out. We've already had that sermon and we'll probably have it again in the future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this triumphant entry. We thank you for this scripture that fulfills scripture. We thank you that you came, Lord God, to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us, Lord God. That we were not left alone. You came to save our souls, Lord God, from the pit 
We bless you for that this morning and we give you all the glory. We thank you, Lord God, that we can gather together this morning in fellowship with each other and know that we're not alone. And we love you for that as well, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last Sunday we talked about the importance of celebrating or, mem- or memorializing events so that we don't forget the significance of the event. Um, these things are as holidays or anniversaries or birthdays, etc. It's good. We celebrate them. We put them on a calendar. We mark them up and we say we're going to celebrate that when the time comes again. Lest we forget so that we can keep it ever present. You have children, grandchildren. You love their birthdays. It's a celebration. The only negative part is as they're getting older, so are we. And all throughout the Bible, we see God implementing these holy days of celebration or remembrance. He sets forth feasts, if you may, in the Old Testament. He does so because He knows that we have a tendency just to move on in life and can very easily forget those things that are even significant or have great meaning. And we talk about this at 9-11 that, you know, Alan Jackson's song, Have We Forgotten? And we do. It's amazing how we forget. And we may not forget, forget, but we forget in the sense that we don't embrace it and celebrate it and know it. And obviously in the Christian faith, Easter is something we celebrate and we love to experience because of the very foundation of our faith. And may I just stop there and just say to you that even Easter, even Easter to the Christian has become some secular event at some level, in some cases that we're just talking about now, spring break. We're just, we're just talking about, well, that's a great time for a vacation. And it is. I'm not saying you can't have both, but you need both. You need the celebration to know that Easter is our holiday. Thank you. And with Easter approaching, we have been looking at the events that led up to the res. Uh, resurrection, and today we will look at Palm Sunday. Before we do, I would like to recap actually what we looked at last week. I think it's important. We read in John 3, we read John 3, 16 through 21, but we, we focused on John 3, 17. And that says, For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him and by Him. And then we looked at Isaiah 50, verses 6 and 7, which had this to say. I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out my beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. For the Lord God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be ashamed. And then in Luke 9, 51, Luke says these words. And when the days were approaching for his ascension, he, meaning Jesus, was determined or he was resolute to go to Jerusalem. And we talked about that last week, and this is important. I even had somebody come to me last week and say, you know, I never thought of it that way. I, I, I kind of always had this belief or this thing that Jesus was, Jesus was just passive and that, and that God sent him here and said, you're going to have to die. No, he wasn't Passive about it all. He came. He was willing. In his flesh, he fought it at Gethsemane. But it doesn't matter. What did he do? He was an overcomer. And he said, not my will, but your will. 
And that's our example. We talk about that. We have to die to self. But Jesus wasn't passive. He was humble. But he was resolute. He was coming to save us. Nothing was going to stop him. Our Savior from eternity resolved to save his people and nothing could stop him from accomplishing his purpose. He left heaven and he took on human flesh so that he may redeem all of mankind back to himself. And now his time had come. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Hallelujah. Luke 19. Start reading in verse 28. We'll go through 44 this morning. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. I'm going to stop there. Many of us are in ministry. If you're hearing from the Lord and it's clear, it's okay to ask. Because the Lord has need of it. And Pastor Bill is a great example of, of pressing on and and trusting God with the growth of a church and a ministry and a school and a radio station and a daycare because you didn't have all the funds that I know of but you step out in faith and you say the Lord has need of it and if he sent you then he will provide he is our provider amen, amen. and I'm thinking to myself they must think this is crazy that they're going to go into a city and steal two mules Donkeys. Jackasses. That's what they are. And he's going to send them in there and they've got to be thinking on their way there. Can you imagine a conversation? Look, today we'd say something like this. Man, we're going to get shot. <laughs> but they're faithful and they listen to the Lord and this is what he's told them to do and it sounds crazy, but guess what they do? They do it. 32, so those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. And they were untying the colt, and its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. They brought it to Jesus, and they threw their coats on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. And he was going, and as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully and with a loud voice for all the miracles for which they had seen. And shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. And when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. 
saying, If you had known in this day even you the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children with you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Picture this in your minds, if you will. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He stops at Bethany. And through his symbolic actions, the crowd of disciples believe he is going to ride into Jerusalem as the long-awaited Messiah. And finally, the, the Messiah has come and and he will enter the city and he will deliver the Jews from all the tyranny of the Romans. And he will set the captives free and he will rule right there in Rome, Jerusalem, wherever he's at. And that's what they think. And the riding in on the colt of a donkey does two things. First, it fulfills the scriptures and the prophecy in the demonstration that Jesus is who He says He is. He is continually fulfilling the prophetic word spoken about Him. There's not one thing said in the Old Testament that Jesus doesn't fulfill. He is His own testimony of those fulfillments of the prophetic word. Again, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed, and the New Testament is Jesus revealed. There will be some who say, well, we don't see Jesus in the Old Testament. Well, you're not looking. He is there. And secondly, him riding in on a donkey does confirm to those who know the Scriptures that he is the Messiah. And as he is riding in right before their eyes, he is now claiming publicly, okay, through his actions, not verbally, but just who he is. He is proclaiming that he is the chosen son of David, the one who will sit on David's throne. So two things happen when he gets on that colt. He fulfills the scriptures and he verifies who he is. Now let's look at verse 36. It says, as he was going... They were spreading their coats on the road. In other words, it's just like Cheryl's story this morning. Cheryl came in this morning and said, I really feel like i got a story to share. Uh, do you think I could? And I said, well, I think you better. I'm just going to stop here. I wasn't going to say a whole lot about it, but some of you were here last week, and, and we had someone speak out. And it's okay. Listen, hey, I said our first couple weeks here, this is family. You're family. Okay, this isn't, this isn't some... This isn't some place where when you come in that door, somehow your humanity stops. We are who we are. Some things might get out of order. Hey, ministry is messy. Ministry is muddy. It is never perfect. In fact, if your ministry is perfect, you probably ought to get on the line to God and say, hey, what am I doing wrong because I don't feel this. And so we see that. And I want you to know this. It's okay. God can handle His bride. And so we look at this and 
I want this to be a place where if you have a word, you can speak that word. That needs to be in order. And I really didn't plan to go here this morning. I really didn't want to give it any credit or talk about it. But you need to understand what this place is about. This is the Union Street Meeting House. We will meet God here. And guess who else might come in? The enemy sometimes. They want to disrupt, want to destroy. And we live in a time where that's going to happen a lot more. And we need to be a lot better about it. One sister left here last week and said, Hey, we need to get trained up in spiritual warfare. But I also want you to know that this is a place where if God is speaking to your heart, it doesn't just come from here. We are the body of Christ and He speaks to you. And as a body, we have a ministry together. And we need to share that with the world. I think the church went dead because, let's face it, there's only so many pastors. And and all the folks come and they let the pastors do all the work. We talked about this once before. It's like, hey, well, obviously not me, but it's like the pastor being on a treadmill and he's working out and you're going to come sit in the gym and watch him. And not this pastor. But, But it's us. It's you. You're the body. We're the ministry. You have it all. You each have the gifts. The community needs your gifts. They were rolling out the red carpet, if you may. Their king was arriving, and they were offering the best that they had for the pomp and circumstance. They were laying the leaves or the branches or whatever they had. They were laying them out. They were taking their coats off. They were giving of themselves. They were laying it out for their king. Not everyone was, I'm sure. Some of them, oh, I'm not getting my coat. I had to work overtime for this last week. No, they were laying it out for their king. And by the way, this is probably one of the reasons that the Romans never really took Jesus serious because when Rome entertained a visiting king, it was nothing short of a million-dollar parade with extreme pomp and circumstance. But here is this man riding a colt and people are throwing their uh, coats and palm branches in front of him, before him, and shouting and praising. And to the Romans, this was a joke. This was a joke. You know, you see on these TV talk shows, and I'll even go back to Billy Graham would do a lot of uh, television interviews, even on late night or whatnot. And they would want to mock him. It was always a joke about what he had to say. I love his... I loved his answers because he was with Woody Allen and Woody Allen was trying to get him in a trap and saying, so, so that you think sexual sin is a problem? He said, whoa, 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 it ain't about what I think. <laughs> it's about what God thinks. And God says it's a problem. Do you hear me, church? Yeah. Sexual sin is a problem. Amen. Amen. All of them in our lives, all the sins in our life are a problem. But he didn't let down. But the world always wants to make a joke out of Christianity. There's, they're all, the, 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 the late night comedians especially can't wait to dig on Christians. And the Romans think this is just folly and foolishness. So much so that I doubt the word even gets back to headquarters until sometime later. Because what the world, this man's riding a colt in. They're throwing their coats down. This is a joke. But look at verse 37. As he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives. Now listen, get this picture in your mind. 
Get your mind's eye on this. He's coming down the mount of Mount Olive. The whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen. And Friday night when we were together at one of our deep branch meetings, Pastor Bill shared one of the issues with the church is that we don't, we don't celebrate our encounters with God. There were encounters that they saw, that they had, that they were part of. There was miracles which they had seen. They had known who this man is and what he is capable of. And may I say, first of all, it was customary to praise inside the temple courts, but not outside. This was outside the temple courts, outside the church. One of the reasons I love the pavilion back at the campground is it has no walls. And let me share with you, when we do chapel on Sunday mornings and there's just a handful there, and I'm thinking to myself, how many people are missing this blessing? When you're sitting there and birds are chirping and the wind is blowing and sometimes it's raining or whatever the case is, and you're in ministry and the Lord shows up, and bingo, there are no walls. And that wind and breeze just can blow right through. Tear down the walls. Oh, I wish today God's praise was taken outside of the church walls. And they're coming down to the side of the Mount of Olives and coming into town by one of the busiest roads. In other words, it's a, it's a secular setting in the community, if you may. Again, it's not in the temple court. It's outside. Imagine this. If spontaneous praise broke out at Goshen Church up at the top of the hill of Federal Street and then everybody in that church rushed out and began to praise God and began to lift His name and glorify Him and began singing and praising and marching down Federal Street toward Union Street. This is what we're seeing. Can you see that? You live here in Milton, you'd love to see it. This is our Lord. This is what's going on. And then imagine if all the other churches joined in and met them. This is the scene. Hallelujah. Lord, put on my heart, maybe we ought to get out there and make this happen. Amen. And notice also it was unanimous praise. The whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with what? Somebody reading? A loud voice. Oh, you better not be loud in church. My goodness, they'll throw you out. Don't raise your voice. Don't raise your hands. Certainly don't clap or anything. I know I'm being facetious. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be a little humorous with it. But it's true. Our God is worthy of our praise. And it was unanimous. And they were praising God joyfully with a loud voice. What an example to us. Imagine. Imagine, and this morning was wonderful, but imagine when God makes the delivery here of a complete praise team and, and the people come expecting. Not just come, I'm glad you're coming, but you need to come expecting a visitation from God. He manifests himself corporately differently than he does in your bedroom or in your closet. It's okay. We need all. How many of you want all of what God can give you? 
When we come corporately together, God does something. There's a, a manifestation of His Spirit. You know, we talk to... There's no Shekinah glory anymore. Everybody's... I don't know. We're all bound up. <laughs> the word clamoring came up. And the word inability to be free. I remember doing worship at a church in southern Delaware. And I remember one of the... One of the uh, the bass player there said, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's almost like when we worship, it's almost like their feet are nailed to the floor. Hey, that's, that's not a good report, church. Are your feet nailed to the floor? Do you want to be free? Imagine. In verse 38, it says they were shouting. They, they were excited. Wouldn't it be awesome to see the church excited? Uh, the new, there's a newer song. Out. It's been out a while. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Is there joy in the house of the Lord? Well, if there is, it's because you're bringing it. God is here. He's waiting. He's waiting for us. And they were excited. Wouldn't it be awesome to see? And I mean the church at large excited. And we see pockets of it. And I want to share with you, revival's coming. If you've been here on Saturday nights, you'll know Pastor Carl is teaching that hard times are even coming yet. We've seen nothing yet. But in that persecution will come revival, and we need to be prepared. And they're excited. And also notice, it was a joyful praise. They were shouting. They, 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 it wasn't, uh, oh, bless God, here comes, here comes our Messiah. Oh, he's on a colt. They were shouting. They were excited. Now, I'm not saying it should be all pep rally and hoopla. I even talked about this, that, you know, uh, my high school football team was just terrible. It was terrible. We thought we were good until we got in the game. But we had some awesome pep rallies. How many of you remember high school pep rallies back in the day? Oh, my gosh, it was wonderful. They would load us up in a truck. In a, in a big farm truck with the, with the wood sides like, like Mark Bennett's got. And they would drive us through town and cars would be behind us blowing the horns and everything. That's why it was back then. I don't know if they still do that or not. If they do, hallelujah. But it was wonderful. It was wonderful. And then the game started. <laughs> and I think we went like 2 and 10 or 2 and 8 or whatever it was. And I was like, well, we did win two games. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a pep rally. I'm talking about the victorious team celebrates differently than the losing team. I'm talking about when you have Christ in you, you have joy in you, you have victory in you, and we need to celebrate that victory that our God has made. Now, a byproduct of it is that people will see it and they will be drawn to Christ. We know that Scripture says, if Christ be lifted up, He will draw all men to Him. One of the ways he's lifted up is through your life. And I don't want to sound hypocritical. As I stand up here this morning, I do not have it all together. Don't ask my wife, please. But I don't. And I know that you don't. But it doesn't matter. The enemy cannot use that against me anymore. I want to be free to worship and serve and praise my Lord, no matter what the circumstances. Hallelujah. Amen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And Matthew says the crowds were in front of him and they were in behind him and they were shouting. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Maybe that's what we ought to do as a greeting here. When you see somebody, just say, Blessed is him who comes in the name of the Lord. We talk about worship, and there's a couple things I want to share. Isaiah 42, 8 through 12 says this. You can turn there if you want. If you're writing, write it down. It's important. Isaiah 42, 8 through 12. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Sing to the Lord a new song, His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coast, lands, and their inhabitants. Let the desert and its cities lift up their voice. The villages, let them shout from the top of the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare His praise to the coastlands. Somebody say... Turn with me, if you will, to Luke 7.36. Luke 7.36. We're going to read a little bit, and then we're going to skip over some verses here. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. There was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with, her, with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, they said to themselves, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him and that she is a sinner. Well, let's read it all. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. Now again, this is Simon a Pharisee, not Simon Peter. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other owed 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. And then he said to her, the greatest words you'll ever hear in your entire life, your sins are forgiven. And those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man? 
who even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And what I want you to see this morning is that she is worshiping him. She is at the Lord's feet worshiping him. And that isn't here and just in this house. We know that. We're to worship our God and our Savior 24-7 if possible. But certainly in the house of the Lord, we should worship the Lord. And the anointing she pours out on him, and when she takes her hair and she dries his feet, that same anointing ends up where? On her. Kissing and anointing his feet with oil and her tears. And in the process, the oil and her tears go back on her and she becomes anointed. You become anointed when you anoint the Lord. You get the oil all over you. It's okay. God wants to bless you. He wants to anoint you. He wants more in your life than what you're living, I can assure you. He has so much more for us. God is a good God, and He loves us, and we're to worship Him. But then look what happens. She does that, and the Pharisees are waiting right there to steal the joy of the moment. Turn back with me, if you will, to verse 39 and 19. Luke 19, verse 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, <laughs> rebuke your disciples. We have Pharisees today. Oh my gosh, at that church they get too loud. Can you believe how they worship? You believe they speak in tongues? You believe they go wild in there? And we do. I'm sorry. It's real. And they talk about, it's just emotionalism. There's some local churches here that don't believe in the gifts of today. It's okay. They're just missing out. I don't know what else to say. They would say it's emotionalism. Well, that's just emotionalism. Well, don't you think it's emotional? Don't you think you have a God who saved you and saved you from the pit of hell and redeemed your soul? Don't you think that's emotional? I mean, my goodness, what can be more emotional? You know, we we let the bad traditions kind of get us in and, hey, and we talk about some Methodist church, you raise your hand, they think you got to go to the bathroom. You got a question? Yeah, why isn't everyone raising their hands? God is good. And I want to tell you that when you start a ministry, the enemy will be there to criticize, condemn, and try to steal your joy. Make no mistake about it. If you're doing the Lord's work, it's not easy. There are people who will just beat on you and criticize you and try to tear you down. But it doesn't matter. Our God is a God who is on the throne and Jesus is alive today. And if he's called you to that ministry, he will make every provision you need. But then look at what Jesus answered them in verse 40. And it says, but Jesus answered, I tell you... If these become silent, in other words, if they're not crying Hosanna, in other words, church, if you're not crying Hosanna, the stones will cry out. And I don't believe this was just a figure of speech. For me personally, I don't believe that. I believe that if the disciples of Christ weren't shouting and singing, then Jesus would have commanded the rocks to do so and they would have done so. 
And I believe he has that power. I believe I read a scripture where he says he touches a fig tree. And then when he walks back from the roots up, it's dead. Paul says in Romans 8.22 that all creation groans. Matthew's gospel tells us how creation reacted when Jesus walked among us. There was a wondrous star at his birth. There was darkness at noon on the cross when it was finished. And the earthquake casting out the dead at his death. And then the earthquake at his resurrection that rolls away the stone. So don't tell me that God can't make stones cry out. But he hungers for a people who will do so. So that he doesn't have to make the stones cry out. Amen. And there's no doubt in my mind that the stones would have cried out if the followers hadn't. Nehemiah commands this. Stand up and bless the Lord your God. David says in the Psalms, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord and bless the Lord, O my soul. If God's people will not praise Him, I'm telling you the stones will. And then in verse 41, we see Christ for who He is. In the midst of a triumphant entry. Let me just stop there. If this had been a Hollywood star and we saw this, oh gosh, I saw a Super Bowl winning quarterback in a video on a reporter fell off the stage and he turned and walked away. I was heartbroken over it. Really? Didn't get down to help? You, you weren't making sure she was all right? In Hollywood, do you think that they would care on their triumphant entry do you think they see anyone else? Do you think they see anybody else but themselves? Hey, in your moment of glory, whatever that might be, do you see others? And in verse 41, we see Christ for who he is. In the midst of a triumphant entry, we see probably the most profound attribute of Christ, and that is his compassion. And when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. The destination he was resolved to go to, the place for which he set his face like flint. He was reaching his destination to fulfill his purpose and his heart breaks over the rejection of his family. And he wept and he had compassion. And suddenly I think in his mind, even though they were still shouting, he couldn't hear him anymore. He could just see what was going to happen and how it was going to happen and how he would be betrayed and how he would be rejected. Look at verses 42 and 44. Let me catch up to you here. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to read this saying, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Compassion. He has compassion on them. 
Today, as, as I stand before you, I am certain of this, that Christ weeps today because men and women do not recognize the time of their visitation. They've heard the message, and they've said, thanks, but no thanks. They've heard the call, and they say, sorry, I can't go. And Jesus weeps. And everything that he has done and everything he is doing now and everything that he will do is to reconcile you to himself. Don't miss your time of visitation. And to the church I say this, Easter is a time of great celebration. It was joyful this morning. Thank you. If you can't get excited to praise the Lord at Easter, then maybe you ought to re-examine just who Christ is in your life. As we Christians have special reason to rejoice at Easter. For while Christmas heralds the birth of the Messiah, our Savior, Easter marks the victory over evil as our Christ conquered sin, death, and Satan himself. And I say to you, let's not let the stones cry out. If you do not know Jesus this morning or you have left the fold and you're just playing games and you want to renew, then do it today. Do not leave this place. You want to come up front, we'll pray for you. You want to sit in your pew and weep, that's fine too. You want to go home and weep, it's okay. But don't miss your visitation. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. You know, we would love to invite you to come and visit us in person sometime. If you're ever in our area, you can find us at 415 Union Street in Milton, Delaware, where we have prayer and worship services on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m., Bible study on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., and a Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. We would love to minister to your children as well. We offer children's church during the adult service. Children are excused to go back to their classes right after the worship time. You can also find more information about us on the web at unionstreetmeetinghouse.org or on Facebook at Union Street Meeting House. So we look forward to sharing the message with you next week. Hope you'll return to this podcast. Thank you so much and God bless you.